This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Last week, we spent some time in a bit of a fireside chat, right? Spent some time just talking about my journey into UX and talking about a few milestones and some things that those who are interested in UX might come face to face with and things that they might need to overcome and as well as just talking about some milestones and some things that helped me to make my transition into UX. We are by no means really done with that topic and I'd like to revisit it in the future where I delve a little bit deeper into certain aspects of the milestone to make it a little bit easier to parallel and compare with where you may be in your journey today. But for now, we're going to spend the next three episodes, including today, talking about a different topic that is something that really arose. It wasn't on my list of things to cover, but Based on some things that I'm seeing, I think that this is going to be really, really helpful and really insightful for a lot of folks because of what is happening today in the world of UX. And the topic we're going to cover for these three weeks is overcoming the mirage of UX ambiguity. I I think a lot of people are going to relate to this. We need to level set on it. And as... Some may have already guessed, and some of you know me who are listening to the podcast anyway, and you know what I feel and how I feel about the UX discipline. You understand the passion behind what I do, and you're not threatened by it. <laughs> and we want to just talk about what's really happening and, and, and try to help, again, level set us today. We can have a nice, common, basic point where we can jump off and and really represent the discipline properly and and get some clarity about certain things, especially for some of my mentees out there. You may be running into some of the things I'm going to be discussing, and we need to make sure that we understand every aspect, every turn, everything that we're observing today. We want to be able to discern it. We want to be able to know what's going on in the field, why a lot of these things are happening, and then have some some wherewithal to be able to navigate what's taking place today in a very sound and skilled manner. Consider the following scenario. While attending a small meetup, a person is having a conversation with seven different people who are currently working as UX professionals. The titles and the positions they hold are as follows. Two of them have the title of senior UX designer. One is a UX developer. One is a product designer. One is a lead product designer. One is a UX architect. And another has the title of UX specialist. What's interesting about this conversation is not necessarily the titles. And the titles simply you're going to find just illustrate that titles really don't mean a whole lot with the exception of how they brand you to the world and how they brand you within the discipline as well as within the company 
where you work, when you the title that a person has should give someone an indication of who it is that they're interacting with when, when they're working with you. And, and the same thing goes when you encounter people at a meetup or when they see your LinkedIn profile or whatever it is. So without saying, we know that titles are all over the place. Here's the operative issue with this scenario, though. It's not the titles. It's how each of the people in the conversation are representing the discipline to this person. And I did not state, so I'll, I'll state it now. This person who's in the conversation happens to be attending the meetup, but is simply curious about UX, wanting to expand their their skill and knowledge. And they're hearing things that are all over the place. To that individual, everybody is occupying a position that's considered to be related to UX, but because the conversations are all over the place, the person leaves the conversation confused. The person leaves the conversation feeling like they're on their own, that where they are in their journey, the beginning of their UX journey, has now become extremely difficult to manage And they just simply don't know which way is up. A conversation that, in general, would have had the potential to lay a sound foundation for where this individual was going to go actually made matters worse. Now, take that impact that came out of this conversation and multiply it times pretty much infinity. And you have what we are experiencing today in the world of UX where titles are all over the place. The things that people are talking about are all over the place. The impact of the things that are being discussed and presented are all over the place, whether it's a meetup, a conference, a medium article, and God knows we know medium articles are Really, that's that's a major hodgepodge today. Less than 2% in my estimation from what I've seen of, of medium articles and related types of sources, not just medium. They're just one of the more highly visible sources, but they are not reliable or trustworthy at all. It's really, really sad. Uh, matter of fact, a little digression. I believe I mentioned this on another podcast. A lot of the articles that are being written on Medium are being written by people who are composing those articles as assignments while they're going through a boot camp or a MOOC course or something of that sort. Medium is not the equivalent to reading the Washington Post where someone submits an article, an editor reviews it, gives the person feedback, And it goes through checks and balances before it's seen by the public. Somebody just sits in their room in their PJs, comes up with whatever concept they would like to come up with, types it into the interface, posts it to Medium, and it's live. And then people think, because we have a bias where we think that if it's in the screen, if it's on the web, it must be true. And then that that article and the concepts in that article get legs and then they start making their way 
in our case, into the world of UX, and people take it as as gospel when it it couldn't be further from the gospel. So we have an issue today because of a lot of these different mindsets and different people and and really a, a, a lack of commitment to the discipline itself is another major factor. We have the appearance of ambiguity. There are some who feel that UX is an extremely confusing ball of yarn, that UX is something that is not identified, cannot be identified. Yes, some people feel that it cannot, you cannot uh, cross your T's and dot your I's in UX because of how loud a lot of people are in the things that they are doing associated with UX. Even though, from a critical thinking perspective, just because somebody is loud does not mean that they are saying anything of true value. They're just talking. And so, for some reason, these people are taken as authoritative because they're loud when uh, truth is that they're loud because they're trying to get someone to buy into what they're talking about. Doesn't mean that there's any credence to it doesn't mean that it's trustworthy or noteworthy or that it deserves attention, let alone uh, any adherence. We have what appears to be ambiguity. We have what appears to be a ton of confusion. We have what appears to be a lack of standards by many. And when you think about it, remember, UX is still a a young discipline in its state, in its current state. It wasn't until the mid-90s that someone had it in their title, the acronym UX, where Don Norman, we've said this before, and this is commonly known, that Donald Norman was the first person that we know of that had UX in their job title, and he was called a UX architect. Very well-structured title. It, it said a lot for anyone who's willing to sit and apply the smallest amount of of critical thinking to what he was called, but UX and titles did not become mainstream until around, oh, 2005 to 2007 or so, minimally. And it didn't become common until about 2010 to 2012. A lot of the early practitioners were information architects Interaction designers, they were referred to as interface designers, and that was because a lot of people thought that UI and UX were interchangeable. It is not. A lot of people like to argue that point, but the people who argue the point haven't really haven't researched it, and it's usually based on some kind of bias, but it's not based on someone who's actually gathering data and analyzing things and looking at what's going on. And so they never come to the understanding or unwilling to come to the understanding that UI is a subset of UX on one hand. On the other hand, there are people that focus on UI and they don't do any UX work at all. They are visual designers. They're not UX professionals. They are creative folks. They are presentation layer people. And, and so, again, when you look at something in a from an objective standpoint, that's what you will arrive at. But that's not the case. So you have... UX as we know it today has been transitioning and has been evolving for several years. But even though it's been evolving 
for roughly, we'll just say the last 20 years. It has gone through stages, as we've talked about in other parts of uh, other podcasts, other episodes. But even though it's been evolving and going through different stages, it is still the same discipline. It still has a host of best practices and standards, such as heuristics, which a lot of people who are practicing UX today have absolutely no knowledge of what heuristics are. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the people because this is contributing to the ambiguity. There are a lot of people out there who will hear a a different topic, a, a buzzword, if you will, associated with UX, maybe get a very small grasp on what that concept, what that buzzword is referring to, and then begin to use it immediately immediately even though they really don't have a grasp on what that concept is about. And they begin to share it with other people who, uh, this is another problem with the ambiguity or the mirage of it, of ambiguity is that where people talk about things as if they understand it and they're observed by people who don't know what UX is and who expect the person that's talking to be an expert or assume that the person is an an expert when they're talking and they're wrong or incorrect, being unethical, actually, about what it is that they're presenting, then that that inaccurate concept or messaging gets into the wild and people who take it as, as gospel begin treating it as such. Uh, that actually gives the false concept legs and it misrepresents and detracts from the integrity of the discipline and even will eventually when people find out that what they were believing was incorrect, they begin in many cases to devalue what they thought UX to be. And that's the problem that we're trying to overcome because that type of operation causes UX to be misunderstood. In some cases, it causes some companies to disband UX teams because they feel that it is not really what somebody sold them on X number of years ago when it was approved by C-Level. And really, it's because there was an, uh, an, an air of ambiguity that was ushered in, a false sense of authority that was ushered in, and nobody ever corrected it. It, it stayed on the wrong train track, so to speak. And then people, when the when the scales were taken off their eyes and they found out that they were wrong about the way that they were looking at something, they're embarrassed, they're upset, they feel that they've wasted money and time, and they go on the warpath. Folks, the ambiguity that is assigned to UX, ascribed to UX, uh, it is indeed a mirage. It should not exist. It really doesn't exist. But... Because people, you think about the stereotypical mirage, a person is in the desert and they're thirsty. And I believe there's a uh, an old um, uh, commercial for a soft drink where a person is having a mirage and they see a vending machine off in the distance. And But when they get to the vending machine, the vending machine is not really there. There's a really 
high level of disappointment and frustration, annoyance. And, and then it just goes on from there. But this is what people are experiencing because they're having mirages about UX. And when they find out that what they were looking at was a mirage, you really have no idea how they're going to respond. And, and they are responding in several different ways. There are issues associated with this. There are things we can identify. There are things that we can counter. There are management strategies that we can employ. And I'm talking about the management of UX maturity levels. Yes, we are building upon that set of, of episodes. We, we need to know where is this stuff coming from? And, and so as I wrap up today, I want to clarify a few things and laying a foundation for this series of, of episodes, I want to share some definitions about ambiguity that uh, the last one in particular you may find interesting. There are four that I want to present. Number one, doubtfulness or uncertainty of meaning or intention. Uh, that, that sounds like exactly where we are in many cases that uh, and in that case, somebody said, well, um, Darren, that's, it's, it, this is not a mirage. People actually feel that way. And my point is, yes, there are people, I understand that, there are people that do feel that way, but would they feel that way if what was being presented to them was accurate? And and that's my my point of contention, that no, they would not. It, it's because of some things that people are introducing, some things people are standing up for, some things people are defending, some things people are presenting as authentic when they are not. So so there is an element that's there that people are unclear because they're not hearing what UX really is and they're not seeing the value that UX brings to the table. So from that perspective, it is a mirage. There's something that they're seeing that isn't or shouldn't be there. And that's why they, they're they doubtful and there's a sense of uncertainty and they don't know what the meaning or intention is. Definition number two, an unclear, indefinite, or equivocal word, expression, or meaning. So to a lot of people, when they hear just the acronym UX, they're not clear of what it really means. And a lot of people that are practitioners, if you ask some of us to to define what UX is, you don't get a straight answer and you get a lot of hemming and hawing because sometimes it can be a little challenging, at least at some stage, to define what UX is. But simply put, it's all about advocating for users and, and the business and, and, and aligning ourselves with constraints and and trying to optimize ease of use while making sure to be uh, basically supportive of what the business is trying to to obtain, the goals that the business has. So there's a sweet spot. Picture the Venn diagram. There's a sweet spot. And we're trying to find the sweet spot between the user needs, the business needs, and the constraints. Number one is that we want ease of use and we want optimal business operation. We're marrying these things. That's what UX is about. And if you had to sum it up, it's mostly about using a whole a whole slew of methods and methodologies to accomplish optimal ease of use. How's that for simple? So that's what we're after. That's what we're trying to do. Definition number three, doubtful or uncertain, especially from obscurity or indistinctness. God knows we are there, and and but that is manageable. It's a manageable place, and we can eliminate doubt if we embrace the different disciplines and methods of the discipline that have been presented over the years and, and presented in an ethical manner and in a stable and a sound manner. This is possible. This is achievable. And the last definition as we wrap up today, 
capable of being understood. I love that definition of the ambiguity because that is speaking to how we can overcome capable of being understood in two or more possible senses or ways. So the ambiguity says that we can understand it, but we can understand it from multiple angles. And to some people, that's confusing. But if we just take the time to engage in a little critical thinking and identify every aspect of UX, because it is a complex beast, if we take the time to identify, align ourselves, and really honor the aspects of UX that are that are out here and available for our use, we'll develop a greater sense of, of understanding, a greater sense of value, and we'll be able to execute it and represent UX properly to all those that are observing, as well as those seeking to join the practice or are practicing today. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. So. This is Darren Hood, the host of the World of UX Podcast, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.